0: Welcome, y'all, to the Direct Examination Podcast. I'm Amber Fulmer.
1: And I'm Joseph Bias. Uh We are missing our, for once, we're missing Dane, not everyone. He's MIA.
0: Funny. We don't know where he is.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> Dane, hopefully you are, are not found in the ditch someplace, but uh, if you are, this will be our obituary episode to you. Um, Amber, how are right, you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm catching up on sleep. We had a very sick baby over the weekend. We had our first ear infection, and you don't know it. I thought I knew what a panic attack felt like, but then you read the thermometer Friday night at 10 o'clock, and it reads 104.7, and you're like...
1: (laughs) And it's it's not a radio station. And it's not
0: a radio station. (laughs) Right. And then you undress the baby, and it still is 103.5, and you're like, oh, my God, what am I going to do?
1: That's my type of radio station.
0: We've literally been sleeping in like two hour shifts around here, um, which is really hard when you have a baby that normally sleeps twelve to thirteen hours straight. So we have been incredibly spoiled and now right. we're
1: really tired. So, well Amber speaking of babies. You that's know, right. Yeah, if if you want to do the honors to because he's not here.
0: Just because I recently expelled a child myself sure. from my body. <laughs> I will say. <laughs> Congratulations. it's weird that
1: you had to clarify from my body <laughs> go on
0: well otherwise it just sounds like i kicked her out the door um but congratulations to our co-host because we have a second p in the pod on the way dane and his wife julie are expecting another baby girl this fall
1: yes so okay. congratulations to them that's awesome news um mm-hmm. mazel tov and we hope they uh, uh you know everything turned healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't said Mm thing. Anyway. Joseph, that
0: means the clock is ticking on you. Be prepared for those questions. It's the South, honey. At your reception, they're going to be like, so we know you're
1: getting the baby. So, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm good. Um, Anyway, uh, we start off our episodes with a update for COVID-19. Amber, I don't think there's really much that's happened between last week and this week. Other Uh, than
0: the Supreme Court hasn't told us what they're doing yet because I don't think they know what they're doing. Our right. current Supreme Court order expires June 12th that governs the operation of trial courts, family courts, magistrate courts. Um, and right now, we don't know what's happening beyond that date. We'd love to give y'all an update, but we as practitioners don't know. We're waiting for our Chief Justice to um, let us know because he's got approximately about 10 more days to do it. Oh no, even less than that, because I can't count because I am sleep deprived. Well,
1: so. yeah. And oh, the other thing that there's hasn't been a update on is the bar exam. And I don't think yes. there's been any clarity about that. I think everyone assumes we they're going forward as planned, but are they, they still
0: doing Barbary and like the I, Lexus Nexus bar classes? Do you know I that? Believe,
1: I believe that I they that. are. Um, but I'm sure one of our law school uh, brothers and sisters will correct us. So we got the COVID thing out the way, we got the happy, happy news about Dane out of the way. Um, There's only really one thing left before we get to our guests. Uh, We heard at the intro of the last podcast, we're very much aware of everything going on in the world, Um, the police brutality in Minnesota, the protests and demonstrations all across the country regarding Mm -hmm. um, the treatment of minorities and the killing of Black men and women by uh, the police. We are very much aware of those. We obviously send our thoughts and prayers to all of the victims of um, police brutality. And what we want to do in the very near future is use our platform to have a discussion with people who know what they're talking about, about the issue. Um, We are going to plan that. We hopefully will have that for you sooner rather than later. Um, Mm -hmm. But we, uh, you know, it it shook all of us, as I said on the intro to last episode, you know, we all live in Columbia, we all are natives here, we, so when protests and things hit our city, it it brings all of the, you know, the tragedies of other places to our home, and that's what it's supposed to do, so it was, Mm -hmm. those protests were effective, and um, now it's just up to us to make the appropriate uh, response, so uh, yep. we hope, you know, Amber, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I know you well enough to know that you're aligned with me in, in that. And
0: 100%. Know,
1: we'll just, we'll, we'll proceed the best way we can. Um, hopefully the, the show will provide you some, uh, distraction and, and some, uh, entertainment and, uh, we'll get to the serious stuff later. So mm-hmm. that being said,
0: yeah. In the meantime, if you see something, say something.
1: That's that's right. do be and get, quiet. And get your phones out. Yep. Um, so it, we have guests, obviously, every week. We don't have guests every week that are both friends of ours and also important members of our show. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a cool experience because we're going to talk about books and summer book recommendations to do so there was nobody else that we could think of better at it than the host of that's lit podcast you can find that podcast every place that you can find this podcast uh, and you will notice they voice the a podcast because in addition to the lovely carson terry who will be joining us our friend and producer brendy mcnair is also the co-host of that podcast so they're going to tell a little bit about their show before we get into uh, what we want to do today. But Carson, Brindy, welcome.
2: Aw, thanks. thanks. I,
3: so, just, I just want to point out that Joseph, on, on the record, as I hear they say in court, has admitted that I am important.
1: Oh yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, you know, the funny thing is, you do the editing for the show, so I, I can't tell you to edit that out. I know. Is, <laughs> I know. That's, well, i right, a way you can state.
3: highlight that? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna put some reverb on it. <laughs> sure. so maybe right. like, maybe like some
0: background applause. Like oh yeah, like, hey, I think so. A taped show.
3: Do it so. up, whatever you got gonna do. Just, just so, so you know, I'm not charging you right now either. So <laughs> I'm technically a guest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Brindy Carson, thank you so much for joining us. Now, in the event that somebody has not heard your show, doesn't know what the That's Lit podcast is about, tell us a little bit about your show and uh, what listeners can expect. Carson?
2: So we are essentially a virtual book club, which is something that everybody needs right now. Um, And we kind of pride ourselves on being able to, you know, say for our listeners who don't have time to read, they don't necessarily you know, liked or have the attention span to be able to sit down and read. We're going to read the for you and we're going to tell you all the good and bad parts about them so it's like you actually read them. Um, so, you know, so you can still take part in book club and, you know, be able to chat with your friends about all the important books that are going on, that are being published right now and still sound informed, but you didn't actually have to read anything and you get to listen to us banter back and forth, which everybody wants to hear. So, right. Yeah.
3: And it's... <sighs> It's um it's interesting because we also try to be really accessible with book- it's not just reading a book. you can listen to the audiobook, for instance. If you want to read along with us. and we do encourage people. we try to give them like that month heads up. This is what we're reading next month. So if they want to read it with us and send us questions or send us their thoughts on the book, they can or if they just want to wait and see what we thought about it, they can do that too. So you might say that this podcast was designed with Joseph Bias in mind. Mm-hmm. There go. Uh, one could say
1: One could say that Joseph the Notorious Non-Reader um, Would would It does benefit greatly that's
3: not, I know you've had read at least one book <laughs> I, 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 know Joseph, one I know
1: Joseph. I know Joseph
3: has read At least one book because When he actually had the courage To show up to book club He would always recommend The Tipping Point the tipping By point. Malcolm, Gladwell. Malcolm
2: Gladwell yeah, And so- it
3: it became so much of a thing. If our as soon as our podcast reaches five thousand subscribers, right, I will read and review the tipping point on that slip podcast.
1: Right. Will I be a, a, a invited guest on that episode? Only if you reread the book. <laughs> okay. By the way, never read that book. I just wanted to read it. So.
2: Oh my God! The truth comes out.
1: Oh, it's right. goes All Sorry. the way to the top. <laughs> so shameful again if we're amber obviously is the uh is our show's resident literary expert we mm-hmm. have Brendan and carson from that's lit and the idea behind this particular show is they're going to tell us about what books they have been reading what books they recommend you read for the summer um amber it's up to you tell tell us what you got awesome
0: well unlike joseph and dane I cannot read it. I mean, well, number one, we as attorneys have to read constant case law updates, bar blasts. We spend all day staring at a computer screen, doing pleading. So the amount of pages and paperwork that we have to go through on a daily basis is ridiculous. And I will say I used to read three or four books a week and then I hit law school and the best I could do was a cookbook. Like I didn't want to read any more than I had to, but I have finally... I started reading a little bit back in law school and have gotten back on the wagon, not nearly as good as I used to, but I will never own a Kindle and I will never <laughs> read just a book off a computer screen. I hate that. I, so I will go to Amazon. I had three books come in today <laughs> and I will just there's one room in my house that's dead. It's my room and it's my library and I refuse to donate books and give them away. So I'm. You're gonna find me dead in a room full of <laughs> Under, dusty books
1: a, a with like twenty books.
0: cats.
3: You know, I used so to, I used to say the same thing that I would never have a Kindle, and then I got one for Christmas.
0: I like sniffing them.
3: Well, I like falling asleep while reading. This is this is the primary reason that I wanted a Kindle because. I can fall asleep while I'm reading with the, and the lights are already off so that when I, and the Kindle automatically shuts off too. So when I fall asleep, it I'm done. And now like, you know, if the fella comes to bed and like I'm reading an actual book and the lights are on, he can turn all that stuff off, but he might not he might just leave me there with like mm-hmm. a book pressed in my face and that's how yeah no i like the joy of an actual book oh, the smell and smelling it and
0: i like seeing when you mark it like okay i'm so close to the end what's gonna happen
3: <laughs> so, so i check so the kindle mm-hmm. tells you like the percentage and it tells you how much time you theoretically have left in the book and i like that but, but the percentage
2: there- it's so, like i don't know what that right. means like <laughs> From, like, I have no awareness of what well, 5% is of, you know, 500 pages. We do this to escape actual amount.
3: <laughs> right. And I get that. And I also get not wanting to read on a computer screen after reading on a computer screen. Like, I get it. It kills lawyers, my eyes. I can't imagine just how y'all don't have severe, like, eye damage. It just, ugh.
0: We all have reading but. glasses, whether we want to admit <laughs> it or not. And it's because... Mine, it's normally I'm fine, but from looking from a page to a screen, mm-hmm. from a page, page to a screen, to screen, it takes me like a half second to adjust. So my glasses are for that, and I didn't need them until friggin' law school, <laughs> looking from book to the to the board yep. when a professor decided not to go all idiotic and actually use the board, and then back down to the book and up and across and so. Yeah, but well, I'm, I'm happy that I read now.
3: So, so for. For people who do who people who live in Columbia and do like that feel and smell of a real book, there's a, a bookstore on Main Street. They opened up just a couple months, November, December, I think.
2: Yeah, sometime in there, yeah.
3: Um great local bookstore. They're during like lockdown for COVID, they were doing curbside service. So if you ordered a book from them, they would deliver it like to the curb. They even were doing some like mail delivery. What's the name
1: of the bookstore?
3: Oh, did I not? Oddbird Books. Right. Sorry. Yeah, you can
2: follow them on Instagram. They have a great Instagram account. They're Their Instagram really- is than so in a bookstore. It's so good. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's, so, and I mean, so if you want to support a local business and get your real book, and if they don't have it in stock, they, of course, order it for you, so. Right. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. Well,
0: for today's purposes, I, obviously, this list was picked about two weeks ago, and I picked some <laughs> of these books with Dane in mind. And he's not here. Um, But these are just some books that um, I have read, which I think highlight some of the issues in our legal system. Some of the books that we're going to bring up by Brian Stevenson, I think, are applicable to current events as they are today. Um, And some of the other ones are just really cool books about either really famous trials um, or they are novels that do highlight some truth, like The Runaway Jury. but are purely for entertainment purposes. And I tried not to include anything super boring because I understand <laughs> stuff that might be interesting to me or Joseph or Dame probably is not interesting to someone else. Like they don't right. really and get into reading about the statue of frauds and things like that. And
1: sometimes <laughs> lawyers do want to read non-law books. I've we do. Once? You I don't want
3: to just take your work home with you? Wild. That's
0: why
2: we watch
3: the <laughs> People
0: versus O.J., <laughs> American crime story. There you
1: go. So Amber, tell us about okay. the uh, books that you recommend. Carson and Brindy, uh, then we'll follow up with your, what you're reading this summer and uh, head that way.
0: Okay. Well, the books, I highlighted seven books, and I'll just go through briefly and kind of explain what those were. The first one, I think it goes without saying, every lawyer has read it. It's To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Obviously, it talks about Atticus Finch. And how he's the best person ever, <laughs> and then you're like me, and Ghosts of Watchmen is published after Harper Lee dies, and it is yes. the worst. It's like finding out my favorite love song was written about a sandwich. Oh, yeah. like,
2: that's so accurate. It was so. I
0: funny. hated it, and that's part of. Mm-hmm. You know they have to tear Atticus down, and Scout has to realize that herself. She has to b- break down her heroes because they're human. And I'm like, get this out of my face.
2: Like, <laughs> it's <just laughs> not what I wanted to remember. It's just not back. what
0: I wanted <laughs> I wanted to remember. Atticus is my hero, and now you make him sound like some boom hick. You know mm-hmm. that that believed in everything that he was fighting against. So
3: mm-hmm.
0: don't don't bother with go set a Watchman. Read To Kill a Mockingbird live in the happy place. <laughs> don't don't get your don't get your hopes dream smashed when you read ghost at a watchman. So, the second book um that I think is awesome and there is a documentary ESPN did 30 for 30 called Fantastic lies but it is called Until Proven Innocent by Stuart Taylor and Casey Johnson. And what this book details in very good work is the Duke Lacrosse scandal. Um, mm. many people probably remember that was when a prostitute accused the Duke lacrosse team of rape, Um, several members of the Duke lacrosse team, the university um, essentially blackballed them, um, Mm -hmm. did not do much of an investigation at all. I mean, even, I believe one of the professors like hung a picture of the lacrosse team with all their faces all over campus and told people to go after these kids. And it turns out, The woman admits later that she made up the story. That did not occur. And the head prosecutor, Mike Nifong was found to have fabricated evidence. Um, And he ended up getting disbarred and facing criminal charges because he mishandled evidence. And even when he knew the evidence did not implicate, the lacrosse players continued to pursue criminal charges against them. And sexual allegations whether you're talking about sexual allegations of a minor or any any broad spectrum whenever that's brought up it is hard for a defendant to come back from that so once it's out there it's out and all of these young men sued duke in private actions um, and ended up settling for undisclosed amounts i'm sure in the millions because Mm -hmm. they did come from privileged families um but one of the players that actually they highlight him in the book he was an african-american player and everyone turned on him when he would not sell the other lacrosse players up the river because he's like no i don't think that happened um so it does talk about some racial tensions in the book but this is when i wish dane was on the podcast <laughs> because he could talk about prosecutorial misconduct and just rip into mike knife on. Mm-hmm. so the third book that i highlighted was helter skelter by vincent mm. Bugliosi. for those that don't know he was the head prosecutor in the manson trials charles mm-hmm. manson and he also after he retired he died i think about 10 years ago maybe a little less than that mm-hmm. he wrote a book on the oj simpson trials called outrage and it, the first the page they're just incendiary he rips defense he rips the prosecution wow i mean it is you read it and you're like, Jesus, my fingers are burning. Like, <laughs> his, I, if I read that and it was about me, I might not ever practice law or show my face again. Like, <laughs> he, he was brutal. Wow. So I so wish he was around today to give some commentary. Instead, you know, we're stuck with what's his name? Alan Dershowitz at Harvard, which is fine. Um, we'll do with what we have. He'll you know, do. We'll do. So, but that book is about the Manson trials. It talks about, you know, the precautions that he and his family had to go through mm-hmm. cult, like following that Manson had. Um, and even one thing that I think is pretty interesting is even though he was a prosecutor, one of the women that was convicted that received, I can't remember if she received a life sentence or a death sentence, which was then when the Supreme court came along, the de- all death sentences in America were commuted to life sentences based on the oh, Supreme wow. court decision. Yeah. They um you had to redo the death penalty. But everyone who had a death penalty wow. sentence, and Joseph, correct me if I'm wrong, it got commuted to life. I think so, and I think that's how Charles Manson ended up with a life sentence and not a death sentence. But one of the women and I God, I can't remember her name, but she was basically the the head woman in the Manson cult that did these murders. She actually petitioned for release before she died in prison mm-hmm. and she had a form of cancer. Like she was a quadriplegic. She was bedridden um, and she petitioned to be released. And then so Bugliosi actually said release her because she is not a danger to society. There is nothing she can do. It's not like she's gonna run out of jail and go um, engage in bad conduct or enjoy a life because she really doesn't have one. We're paying for her to you know, just kind of yeah, see, you know, deteriorate. So you know the, the whole part of jail is to punish and um, rehabilitate, and in that case, it was completely done. So he said, "Let her out." She ended up losing the petition, and I believe died in a prison hospital.
3: Oh wow! But
0: Helter skelter is very good. Yeah, it, if you if you watch the news, Joseph. Like, <laughs> I, was, I was just saying. <laughs> I was just saying.
3: <laughs>
1: spoilers.
0: It, so, but it's don't read it before dark. Um, it mm-hmm. is a little. It's a little heavy. Um, oh, yeah. some of the stuff that i mean it goes into detail about the crime scene and i mean it's rough and charles manson um on a more light-hearted note <laughs> my number four recommendation um as y'all know i'm a huge fan of brian stevenson because he is a big advocate for criminal justice reform and juvenile justice reform as well as um, abolishing the death penalty and his first book was just mercy and that was um, written about one of his clients. He actually successfully had his death sentence um overturned and dismissed. Um and movie that, spoilers. Uh, yep. Again, it's now a movie. It's, it's American movie.
3: history, Joseph. Yeah. Just, Michael B. is in it. Jamie Foxx.
0: Jamie Fox is Jamie in Mark. it. It plays Walter McMillan. It's also amazing.
3: streaming for free, I think, this entire month for um should be. Oh, I can't remember for like racial um, disparity education. And I can't remember yep. yeah. the network Mc- that's doing it, but Mr. Yeah. McMillan
0: was convicted purely because he was a black man. They, they, there was no evidence that he was near the crime scene or did anything wrong. The, base, the pressure was on police because the woman who um, was murdered was a white woman. I believe she was also sexually um, assaulted and she was murdered in a very horrific way, and the police were pressure to just get somebody, and they got Walter McMillan. He had nothing to do with it. And I mean, it was so bad as there's like 20-something people that put put him at a fish fry that day. He could not have gotten to the murder and committed the crime, and the police just still overlooked the evidence. His conviction ultimately um, was dismissed. The prosecution decided not to refile the charges when he was granted a new trial. So he walked out of jail after spending several years on death row. And I believe, and it's in Alabama, of course, because they're super progressive. Um, (laughs) I believe Mr. McMillan actually was taken straight to death row. Like when they arrested him, I don't think he actually went to a regular jail holding Mm -hmm. facility until he was sentenced. They sent him straight to death row. Um, So that's an excellent book. And in just mercy talks about Mr. McMillan, but it explores Juvenile justice reform, you know, specifically where we have these children that are mm. or 13, 14 that commit a murder, but they're automatically sentenced to life in jail with no possibility of parole. Or, yeah,
3: that are just can, you know, yeah, accused or, of committing a murder, like George yeah. Stinney Jr.,
0: mm-hmm. Emmett
3: Till. I mean, and he wasn't even accused of murder, just. Anyway, anyway. right. Well, one of
0: of the books in that one of the cases, and I forget the young man's name, but it was a 14 year old African American boy in South Carolina, and they ended up um, killing George Sinney.
3: That that was George George Sinney.
0: I mean, 14 years old. Um, It's awful. So, the other book that's kind of like a subsection to that, and you'll hear him mentioned in Just Mercy, is uh, it's a defendant called Anthony Ray Hinton, and he wrote a book called The Sun Does Shine. And Mr. Hinton is another one of Brian Stevenson's uh, clients through the Equal Justice Initiative, the EJI, and he spent 30 years on Alabama's death row before our Supreme Court of the United States unanimously, without argument, throughout wow. his conviction. Yeah, they they submitted the briefs. They didn't even get to argue it. They said, "Oh God, no," you know. Wow. We should, we should do. So after 30 years, he walked out of jail, and one thing that I think kind of highlights. How much he missed in jail. He was he was jailed um, back in the 80s, and again he spent 30 years in jail. Is when oh, wow. he came he came he came out of jail, and his best friend who visited him every day, even when he transferred facilities and they changed visitation times, and he had to drive like three hours one way just to see him, would always come see him. Um, he picked up Anthony from jail, and on the way home, um, the GPS started talking. And Anthony went to jail before cell phones, computers, mm-hmm. GPS. And he said he, he almost had a heart attack in the car. Cause he's like, there's a woman <laughs> speaking in your speakers, but that's how much he missed right? because he was in, he was on death row for 30 years. And the book highlights other men that he met while on death row. Um, some were executed, some were not. Um, but he actually started a book club in the prison and people would donate books and they would pass them around in the death row inmates would read them and meet and one of the men that he befriended was a white supremacist. Um
1: wow
0: yeah he was the son of a very well known white supremacist who had a lot of money. Remember you're and, giving away the whole book. Jesus Christ Joseph is it's not like it was just published. When you started
1: it was when you start it's like oh this sounds really good. Oh this is good anyway go ahead Sorry. it's
3: American history
1: Joseph <laughs> thank like, you
3: again. thank
0: you but anyway he was able to, you know, get, he and this white supremacist were actually able to sit down and have conversations about To Kill a Mockingbird and some of these other books. Um, and he actually befriended some of the guards. It's just, it's a very good book. I recommend it. Again, it makes you ill that someone actually had to go through that and right. sat through that for 30 years. Um, But I would highly recommend that. So fifth, this is more for attorneys. It's a book called Flame Out by James Blackburn. And for those who don't know, we as attorneys have to do a certain amount of substance abuse and mental health credits every few years, because the lawyers are beating the dentists and the doctors when it comes to substance abuse and suicide and alcoholism and rates of depression. There's actually studies that show that the general population and law students before they start law school are all in the same field as far as percentages of people suffering from anxiety and depression.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: when people graduate law school as compared to the general population, they're like four times mm-hmm. likely to have those symptoms. But Mr. Blackburn, actually, he came and spoke at a legal ethics seminar that I attended. And he was a very well-known attorney in North Carolina, won several big cases, um, very well known but eventually the pressure got to him and he started um taking moving one client's money to another client to compensate for verdicts that he said were one that never actually existed which you can't do wow he he made up orders and eventually he got called on it he got arrested and he served jail time with some of the very people that he had Um, and it was a massive fall from grace. Was, um, Ooh, and he,
3: as, that's how like Marvel villains are born.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like well, that right there. Part of what he, t- the book's point is how he got so overwhelmed and so caught up in producing good results for his clients that he, he just couldn't find a way out. So he goes mm. into jail and when he comes out, he can't be a lawyer anymore. He's been disbarred. Um, he starts being a waiter at a local seafood restaurant and he would always go there when he was a practicing attorney. So he ends up being a waiter for the very people that oh, he used to practice with.
3: Why would he do um, that?
0: Well, he's, you know, he says it's a very humbling experience and it helped him get uh, back I on bet. his feet. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, a lot of people did not shun him. They wow. you know, They were very sympathetic to his situation, but it's like, look, dude, you broke the law. We're going to treat you like everybody else. Yeah. Um, but it talks about his what he did and his journey back. And now he does a lot of motivational speaking for lawyers. He talks about mental health. Uh, because it is a massive problem for lawyers in our, um, in our profession. That's why we have the lawyers helping lawyers hotline. The bar yeah. offers free counseling. Um, and I can tell you I've seen it in a lot of my cases where lawyers are litigants. Um, and I'm very glad that we had Nicole Davis come on the podcast and talk about it. I hate I missed that. Um, so the last two, one is the fiction one is not fiction. And we'll start with the fiction one because that one's really fun. Um, runaway jury by John Mm. Grisham. If you, if you don't have a chance to read the book, watch the movie. Okay. Mm -hmm. So essentially a woman's husband is murdered in the workplace with several other employees by a grieved former employee. And she sues the firearm manufacturer. And essentially the book talks about, um, the jury selection process and the trial and if you watch the blue movie and yes joseph i think i have to give a spoiler here because i have to tell people what's going on
3: <laughs> <laughs> <The> Again, <movie. laughs> di- didn't didn't the movie in the book like decades ago okay yes so it was a
0: it was a long time like john i'm just saying if Rachel somebody okay, sure.
3: yeah. joseph go on go on go dumbled on. snape killed dumbledore no, what? and dumbledore and, uh, told him he had to do it that's right <laughs>
0: What? I'm but anyway in this if you i'll go off the movie because i know a majority of you probably are not going to pick up the book but what it talks about is three, you know resources when it comes to picking a jury if this were a criminal trial the prosecutor who is selecting the jury panel would already have and joseph can attest to this being a public defender they already have pulled for them in addition to the jury questionnaires that the prosecutor gets a list of the defendant of the potential jurors background charges, they're supposed to admit it on the questionnaires. They very rarely do. Um, So the prosecutors already have that up there. So, Mm -hmm. and if you're just a defendant in a, in a criminal trial, criminal trial, you just kind of have to go off the jury list as you see it and the information that you get in big civil trials, defendants are usually big corporations people with means people with deep pockets and those people will go out and hire jury consultants. They'll hire private investigators, anybody to look at this jury pool. They'll conduct focus groups to see how who's going to be the best juror in for them to trials, pick yeah. in mock trials. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. will do mock trials. They'll tell the attorneys you didn't suit well with this particular type of jurors. They'll rate them and score them. Oh, wow. um, and it, uh, corporations can do that because it costs them less money. To invest in those type of practices, than it is for them to pay out $40 million mm-hmm. in punitive damages because that's what they're concerned about. Right. Actual damages, you know, it's got to be what you've incurred. Punitives, that's going to punish you. Right. So essentially, in this book, the defense thinks that they have allies on the jury and they do some, they engage in some unethical practices mm. <laughs> with members of the jury. And at the very end, it turns out that the people they thought were their allies actually got on that jury on purpose to steer it in a certain direction and to punish the firearm companies because they themselves were related to people that were victims of gun violence. Oh, wow. And so the defense can't admit that they have gone in and, you know, basically threatened these people and done all of that because then they're in trouble from a bar standpoint. So they just basically have to watch getting slapped with multi-million dollar verdicts because- These, pe- these people basically took the jury and made it run away. They, you know, run away jury. They got on there and steered the jury how they wanted it to go. And the defense can't do anything about it because admitting otherwise would have, right. you know, they'd be in the hot seat. Yeah.
1: All so, right. And last book.
0: Last book is Lincoln's Last Trial by Dan Abrams. And I'll admit, this is not one I came up with on our first uh, podcast with Dick Harputlian. He mm-hmm. was actually reading this. I do not know how Dick Harpootlian has time to read and practice law. It's a, that is a, I don't know. It's a mystery. We've got to figure it out because audio yeah, I don't think he sleeps. Yeah, maybe. maybe, but anyway, it talks about Lincoln before he won the presidency. He was actually a very celebrated trial attorney.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, He's actually a very disorganized individual. The book goes into his office and, but he was very good. Litigator. He he prosecuted people. He represented criminal defendants. And in this case, he was representing a young man who was accused of murder. He claims it was self-defense. Um, and Lincoln actually had a court reporter come in and do a transcript, and that was unheard of back in the time. You know, back in the eighteen hundreds, right? Did this. So it was a very good look on Lincoln the lawyer, as opposed to Lincoln the president. Um. And it was really interesting because he tried like over 2,000 cases. I mean, he was very Whoa. well known for his trial work, which a lot of people just remember Lincoln in his presidency in the latter half right. of it. Everyone's like, Gettysburg Address, and they don't go beyond that. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. They don't get much further. So those are my seven, eight, if you count the
3: part. <laughs>
0: Brian Stevenson, maybe nine, if you want did to talk about also, outrage.
1: Did Amber just Dana's? us? Amber changed. <laughs> <laughs> I was cursed Amber every day. The crap out of G- <laughs> all
0: right. So, and if Dane was here, he would have backed me up, and he'd I'm recommend not sure, it more because you, has.
1: you just gave away all the books.
0: Oh no, there's more, <laughs> Joseph. I have like four hundred books right, okay, in my library. Okay, so. so
1: Carson and Brittany. So Amber has given us her fifteen thousand uh, <laughs> book recommend legal book recommendations. Exactly. Uh, the host of the That's Lit podcast. Tell us about what you guys are reading, what you recommend for us this summer um, to pick up and uh, read. Carson, we'll start with so, you.
2: Brendy and I, we're going to uh, popcorn, I think. Oh, okay. okay. Idea, Boom. You know, I know my co-host and she's got a lot of heavy stuff going on yeah. over there. And yeah. I, because I knew this, pulled <laughs> some a little bit more lighthearted titles, some things that are big right now that people might be interested in. So we'll we'll bounce each other out. So we're gonna go back and forth. So be like it. Us like off, it. start us off.
3: So I amended my list because I did start making my list when Joseph started talking to us about this. Um so the first book I put on this list because it's true crime related and I love true crime. And this, this is one of those books. I listened to the audiobook. I was on a really long road trip and it made me almost like I had to stop the car several times because I was like, what did he just say? But the book is called Bad Blood, uh, Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup. And it is by John Carreyrou. And it's about the... The woman Elizabeth Holmes, who started the oh. company Theranos, yes. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Died at On Wire fraud. This woman is insane. And just it's crazy. But but here's the thing. Here's the thing. As crazy as this woman is, the people who gave her millions of dollars are even more bananas. Like she had deals with Walgreens and Safeway to take blood samples to run all these like it's supposed to run like 40 different diagnostic tests on just a single drop of blood oh, and nice. a, the size of the to- size of a toaster and spoiler alert the machine never worked mm-hmm. and what they were doing is they were taking this drop of blood from people and then sending the sample to a laboratory diluting the laboratory as much as possible but still more than they should have been and then getting the results to people, so it was only supposed to take four hours to get your results, but it was taking like several weeks because they had to outsource it. And the whole time, this woman's like, "No, my machine work is great. It's the best. Give me your money." <laughs> and people were like, "Cool, here's our money." And just the audacity. I, I think I said that phrase more than anything because I listened to the audiobook and I was like, "The audacity of this woman!" But.
2: The visual it, of you just saying that to yourself alone. I is, mean, oh, I had I had some full-on...
1: Con, pulled like, over I on would, the side of the road. I'm
2: I'm
3: driving through, like, the mountains of Tennessee, and I'm like, this woman just did what? Yes, she did. And I'm having a full-blown conversation with myself because that's how just unbelievable it was. So if you... Want to know more about the Theranos scandal and this woman who built people out of hundreds of millions of dollars for the Silicon Valley startup for a machine that never worked. Bad Blood is just amazing. And John Kerry rewrites it from emails from his sources and interviews. So it's all, it's as firsthand of an account as you're going to get. And it's just very well written and it's entertaining. And it, I kept having to remind myself, this is real life. This is So that's my first recommendation. Carson.
2: Good one.
3: I just ordered it on Amazon, by
2: the way. Yeah. Wow. we're sitting here. The power of the podcast. Here we go. It's awesome. (laughs) Um, So my first one, like I said, I pulled some that are really popular books right now that people might be wondering, should I read that? Was it any good? Like, I don't, "Mm," maybe. So my first one is called Normal People by Sally Rooney. Mm. And... The first thing I'm going to say is, you guys, if you do read this, don't come for me when you get to the end. Be- just, that's all I'm going to say. Don't come for me when you get to the end because you're going to be feeling, at least I was feeling some type of way about it and, and not not a good way. So. I
0: was going to say, is but, this going to make me mad or is this going to make me sob uncontrollably like the it's movie It's going to
2: leave you where Frustrated. you don't want to be left, basically. Mm. Mm. Um, but if you're thinking interesting oh my gosh,
1: heard- vague
2: yeah vague. would you rather, no, a, joseph. Spoiler, joseph? Would you rather <laughs> a spoiler joseph i'm just saying
1: i'm just saying it's vague go on cars sorry <laughs> um
2: but if you're thinking oh my gosh i've heard that title before it's because it just was made into a um i think it's a series tv show you can watch it mm-hmm. on hulu mm-hmm. um i have not watched it because i'm one of those people who i need to read first and then <laughs> judge later Same um so but because of because of the story and the way that it ended i don't know if i'll be watching because i know (laughs) at the end of the tv series because people have told me that it ends the same way and that is true the book so (laughs) all i'm going to say is it is a story of friendship that turns into something more that turns into something less that turns into something more and you know goes through many different stages of life that are really pivotal um yeah. in you know your development as a human being um so and it's set i really love the text of it because it is um irish characters so but it's it's in modern day um time so i, I love little irishisms <laughs> that are thrown in there they're fun to read and so if you're one of those people who you like reading things that you can then go watch a series or something like that this is a really good one to to check out it's a short read too so you can take it for a little beach read which is nice you know or porch read, whatever it is that you're doing during quarantine um so it's it's really digestible it's really beautiful writing um sally rooney really captures the emotions of a complicated friendship really well um and really talks about that complicated dynamic between men and women when you're in your early 20s and you don't know how to interact even though you're supposed to be an adult um (laughs) so it's i would really recommend it um like i said just don't come for me for the end because there's just a lot that happens but you should check it out to see what happens Uh, that's my first recommendation
3: so i have another true crime book this one's also just bonkers it's called the less people know about us and it's written by uh axton betts hamilton and it's about a woman so if you listen to the podcast criminal this story was featured on that episode and it's just it is unbelievable that's the only word i can think of to describe it but it's axton betts hamilton in the book is axton betts it's her story. It's a firsthand account of identity theft. And she mm-hmm. was a victim of identity theft at a very young age. Like I think in her early teens, like somebody had stolen her identity and she didn't find out about it till she was in college and found out <laughs> one of my favorite lines in this, in the book is she's talking about her credit score. And she's like, you know, I had to do like a credit report and everything because just just. To find out once she found out somebody had stolen her identity, and she's like, and it was 300. And I thought, well, that's really good because if 100 is like the best, then 300 is (laughs) great. Oh, Lord. And I was like,
1: oh, Oh, no. Yeah. Do you want to tell her?
3: And I was like, I started sweating. Money stuff makes me uncomfortable anyway but i started sweating when i read that i was like oh god i don't want to be here when she finds out maybe i can just mm-hmm. skip. but again i was listening to the and she reads the audiobook too and i was like oh god oh god it's gonna be bad and joseph spoiler alert so if you want to plug your plug your ears um the person who stole her identity was her own mother Oh, uh, gonna... no i will not in fact i will tell you this woman um was probably uh, either a sociopath or a psychopath. I am not a medical professional. I am not officially diagnosing, but she had some sort of dissociative thing because I mean, she she was very crow-like in her desire to have jewelry. So she was constantly like ordering stuff off QVC and all this stuff. She had separate lives where she would go on dates with men and like people in town would be like, oh, what about your husband? She's like, oh, he's dead. Her husband is alive and well. (laughs) Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She just, no problem, just lying to, and it, when Axton finds out that it's her mom, it's just, oh, it it was mind-blowing. And so I listened to the episode of Criminal where this is very well laid out. And so listening to the book, it was a little disappointing at first. And like I said, I'm sorry, because I kind of spoiled it for you guys. But listening to it and just knowing it's like, your mom did your mother did this to you and like describing her relationship with her mother. And it's like, this heifer did this to you. Stop talking about how much you love her. She's ruining your life. <laughs> so it's, it was, it was really great because now accent bets Hamilton is a, um she's a cyber sleuth person. She helps people with cybersecurity and oh, figuring cool. out. Yeah. Oh yeah. She reclaimed that. It, it's a really beautiful story of somebody who, takes this awful thing that happened to them that was done to them by somebody who's supposed to love them unconditionally more than anyone else in the world and not only recovers from it but kind of thrives and flourishes so it's it's a great story and again it's just unbelievable like her own mom her own mother
1: all right
2: carson so my second recommendation I'm going to start by saying, I don't know how this book came to be in my possession. I don't, yeah. <laughs> don't know where I got it. I don't know where it's from or how it came to be mine, but I found it the other day um, while I was moving and it was like, <laughs> oh, this is a pretty chunk of a book. I'm going to read this because I got some time. So um, it's called Beyond the Point by Claire Gibson, and it is... I have never read anything quite like it as far as the concept. So it is about, it chronicles the three women, these three women who go to West Point. Um, and it follows their journey through West Point from the time that they're freshmen all the way through, you know, they get, you know, deployed and all these other things happen. And it just chronicles the three of them and their, their friendship um, and just talks about. It's it's a novel. It's fiction, um, but obviously based on a lot of a lot of true things. Author even says at the very end how much research she had to do and how many women she had to talk to who you know went through all the different things in West Point and how it is you know for women versus you know versus men and these three women were all also on the basketball team at West Point and you know issues that they dealt with and different things. But it was surprisingly great um the whole thing was very I I don't know what I was expecting but it was just really interesting just the whole thing because I guess I don't have any concept of what that would be like to go to West Point or what those women went through and obviously I have no concept of what deployment or anything like that is like and um they just they the way that Claire Gibson writes about it was really um just really eloquent and you could tell that everything was researched very carefully and done very carefully and just like just with a lot of care um the whole book was and sure. it's one of the few books that i've read recently because i'm not an emotional reader i'm not a crier laugher you know out louder <laughs> um while i'm reading and i i shed a tear i shed a tear with this Aww. book um, Aww. And it, yeah it was really it was really good and it just really touches not only obviously you know on such an uh, uh, not a very well-known subject matter, um, but also just the intricacies of the friendship of these women and how it, you know, gets them through things like deployments and marriages and death and everything else. So um that's Beyond the Point by Claire Gibson. Check it out, guys. It's it's a, an interesting, surprising read. So that's my second. Awesome. Cool. I
3: I'm pretty sure. I know you is like a book of the month box or something.
2: I thought so, but it didn't have the jacket, so I don't know.
3: Well, (laughs) I I have a copy of it, too, because apparently you got two boxes, and I have a copy. You gave me your extra. Okay.
2: Let somebody, see, this is what I keep around, because I don't know where this I I don't know where these.
3: I'm usually not this helpful with things like that. So the next book that I have to recommend is very culturally relevant for everything that's going on now. It is Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates. And I actually reviewed this book
2: mm-hmm. on
3: our last year's July episode yeah, I was about to say of That's Lit Podcast. And Between the World and Me is basically a, a letter from Ta-Nehisi Coates to his son about racism in America and the danger that his body is in and why it is that way. And how he doesn't want it to be that way, but that is the world in which we live. And things that he has to do to protect his body that other children, other teenagers who aren't brown don't have to worry about. And it's very, it's very, ta Coates can write. This man can write. Yes, and can. you're reading it the entire time and then you remember that this is something that he is writing to his own son. And it, I mean, it hit me in my core so many times. I don't even have kids. And I was just like, ah, it's, it's a difficult book to read, but it's an important book to read. So with everything going on, I definitely recommend that one.
2: Right. And if you read that and you just can't get enough ta Coates, he also (laughs) recently came out with a book called The Water Dancer, um, which I read and reviewed a couple of months ago. I think that was for our Black History Month, so February. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, which is also great, so you guys check yep. that out. Um, so my next one is another book that everyone knows the title of by this point, but if you've, you might just be annoyed with the title and you just haven't read it and haven't looked at the series or anything else, um, which that was me until about <laughs> a month ago because I'm one of those people who, the more people talk about it, the less I want to read it. Um, so but being that we had so much time on our hands at the moment, I was like, I'll crack this open and see what it's all about. So I'm talking about little fires everywhere. Um mm. listening, And um mm. I'm here to say it it lives up to the hype, guys. Okay. It, it's pretty it's pretty good. It's pretty, pretty good. Um again, it's pretty short. Um, so very bingeable. Mm-hmm. I've read it. Yeah. Um, and with a, some really surprising twists and turns in it, I would say. Um,
3: and it's also now a, a series on Hulu, too, I think.
2: Yes, yes.
1: Is that the yep. Kerry it Washington is.
2: one? Yeah, Kerry it Washington, is. Carrie Washington and Reese Witherspoon. Reese
0: Witherspoon's production company, I think, yep. actually purchased the rights to the book. Mm-hmm. That's right,
1: Yeah. So Carrie Washington, gotcha. Yes. Right, yes,
2: yeah. <laughs> so Carrie so okay. Washington is in it. You guys should watch it regardless Um, because I've heard she's fantastic I haven't watched it yet but um, I was really I'm always I feel like let down by some of these cult classics um, that pop up and they're just so just so the rage Um, but I was not disappointed with this one it is really great it really talks very interestingly about family dynamics um, and what family is really and who your family is and who you love and why you love them and the choices that we make um, with our families and different things like that. And it's, it's really, I would really recommend you guys just read it, then watch the series. But really the experience you get when you're going to read this book is so much different than I feel like what I've heard of people who have watched the series. Um, Mm -hmm. I've heard the series is pretty accurate as far as that goes, but you're going to you're going to get a different vibe from the book and a different different thing. I feel like, so you guys should definitely, you know, check out that book. You can find it anywhere. Um, definitely this time, I'm sure, you know, you can get it from the local library or anything like that. Um, so check that out. Little fires everywhere.
3: Cool. Can I, can I do one more, Joseph?
1: Carson, you have one more too. I have one more too. Mm -hmm. All right, One more each of you that gives you all eight (laughs) Amber seven and I'll have one at the end.
3: Are you writing are you actually writing down the books that we've been recommending? I have. Oh. I've ordered four while I'm sitting here. Thank you. Aww.
0: I already have little fires everywhere.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um so I'm gonna kind of cheat and do an amber slash Dane. Um do it. do it. That I'm recommending Children of Virtue and Vengeance.
2: Mm-hmm. And if you
3: have not read the first book in the series, Children of Blood and Bone, mm-hmm. read that one. First, oh that First is still has my copy.
2: I do. It moves um, with me. <laughs> so
3: Joseph, this one you might be down for this because, like, I know you're not big into Harry Potter. No. But imagine if you will. <laughs> oh, you disgust me,
0: Joseph.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Harry Who Potter, Percy Jackson, and Black Panther. Ooh. In a single okay. book. Okay. Yeah. That and I recommend this book because, again. We're living in a very strange time right now, and I think black people and other people of color could use some uplifting. And this book, it discusses racism, it discusses classism, it discusses colorism, but it is a young adult book and it's got magic and it, it's about overcoming your oppressors. And there were moments in this, like reading this book and I just got chills reading it just because it's so relevant, but it's explained so well. It's, and by the way, it's by Tommy Adeyemi, who is an amazing person. And I love her, follow her on Twitter. Her writing is very vivid. It's very detailed, but it's also very accessible. So if you're a 36 year old woman, you can read it and get it. If you're a 13 year old kid, you can read it and get it. It is an incredible story. And it's just, she builds this world that's so beautiful. And granted, I, of course, was like, it's Wakanda. I don't care. It's Wakanda. That's what I'm picturing. That is what's (laughs) happening in my brain. But it's just, it's such a great story. And the characters are so flawed. Like, I hate perfect characters. And I hate it when it's like, this is the good guy. And he's totally good and does nothing bad. And this is the bad guy. And totally bad, has no redeeming qualities. This one you're rooting for every, almost everybody, but you're also like, girl, you are dumb. Just so, why are you so dumb? So it's, it's very real. And I think both of those books, Children of Blood and Bone is the first book in the series. And then the most recent book is Children of Virtue and Vengeance. So nice by Tommy Adayemi.
0: Add to cart.
3: <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Also, the artwork on both of those covers, and Amber can attest to this, and she just ordered them, is gorgeous. It's great. Yeah. Gorgeous. Amazon is
0: real sneaky too. Have you? I love hardback books, and mm-hmm. they'll display the Kindle and paperback first, so you have to <laughs> click the other options, mm-hmm. and it makes you buy the paperback, and that really. Well, most
3: people well. want the paperback because it's cheaper. Right. So I'm
0: sorry, but I have a book budget. I don't. Spoil, <laughs> I don't go out and get manicures. I don't, I am not that crazy high maintenance. If I have you to limit books. myself on anything, it's books. Like Austin will come in and he'll be like, why well, did we get 10 books in the mail today from
1: Amazon? <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> he's asking,
3: he's asking why you have a literate household. I think he needs to reevaluate he's his priorities. Right.
2: Thank you. So, favorite room in the house. Okay, so for my fourth and final recommendation, this is one that I chose just because I' totally nerd out about it because I love this author. Um, it is writers and called Writers and Lovers" by Lily King. I adore mm. Lily King. Brindy has heard me talk about Lily King at just, Not just once or twice. Just because I think she is just the most perfect author of our current time period. she it just her writing is everything that I want writing to be every time that I read. It's so. Ugh, it's just exactly what I want. <laughs> um, so, and if you just, if you're just looking for things to get you hooked on a writer, the first thing you should read by her is Euphoria. That's the first thing I read by her and I mm. will never go back. And I'm probably going to read it 10 more times. Um, but I'm going <laughs> oh, to so it's like, like a, She's
3: a reread.
2: Oh yeah. Okay. Which is okay. rare for me, I know. Um, but so she just recently came out with this book uh, called Writers and Lovers. And it is, about writers and lovers <laughs>
1: it, is,
2: um, it chronicles i feel like it's oddly autobi, like a novel a novel but i feel like it's really probably leaning somewhat of pie autobiography um and it details all the emotional stress that this particular main character goes through as they are trying to survive in boston while also writing a book so it it goes back and forth between this main character who is in a lot of debt waitressing, you know, has a crappy boyfriend, all these different things, but it takes that typical storyline that we see so many times and flips it around to where it's so much more interesting than just if somebody was telling you about how they're writing a novel and they have a crappy boyfriend and are waitressing. Um, And it's just, just, great writing and it just makes me fired up about writing stuff that doesn't make sense and just just really being creative and going after what you know you're supposed to be doing even though it's terrifying um i will say though this main character is so good that she is annoying because you're like why are you like (laughs) this but then you're like oh people are like this this is how people are no they're not (laughs) so um, she is perfectly flawed and just perfectly characterized just by, she, she's all of us. If, if you've ever thought about writing something or ever, you know, wanted to make a living writing or anything like that, this you're going to feel seen um, in this book. And it's just, I totally nerded out about it. Um, and it's, it's really good and just really perfectly characterizes, again, kind of that struggle between, you know, should I just do what I need to do to survive financially or, you know, should I do what I love and know that I should be doing, which is writing in this case. Um, And also of course, you know, should I date this guy, should I not? Is he toxic, (laughs) is he not? But in a much more eloquent and fancy way than what I'm saying. So um, that is Writers and Lovers by Lily King. I just I can't recommend it enough, you guys. So it's my final recommendation.
1: Cool. This podcast well, has
2: been horrific for my wallet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You're making an investment in your it it's like therapy for you right. and self care. Mm-hmm. But also Evie's gonna have access to this too. I like, was about
0: to say it's absolutely. gonna be in my will, a specific portion of who gets my books. I will yeah. not give them away, ever. Right. Sorry. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds selfish, and I'm sure there's was a right library saying, somewhere in rural America that could use them. But they are my babies. I so mean, that's sorry. fair. That's well, fair. totally fair. I'm gonna be uh, selfish that, about that one. Thing.
1: Purely non-selfish note: uh, the <laughs> Joseph one-minute three recommendations. Here we go. Ready? Do it. We're All time. right. One minute. If you watch The Last Dance on ESPN and you love that, uh, like that story, "The Jordan Rules" by Sam Smith. It's a biography of Jordan in the early 90s. It's fantastic. And if you watch that documentary, you saw how much trouble that book caused. So that book actually changed the dynamic of the Chicago Bulls. The second book is also basketball. Go ahead, everyone.
0: Does it make you hate Jerry Krause as much as you should?
1: It does, but it also was the first book that took some of the bloom off of the rose of Michael Jordan. So, oh, ew, oh, I don't know if I want that. I promise you, it's a great book. The Jordan Rules by Sam Smith. The second book's also basketball related Dream Team by Jack McCollum. If you're like me and you kind of deify the uh Dream Team and 1992 Dream Team, Jack McCollum does a great book. He got all the interviews with all the people. Wonderful book. And then the book that I've read most recently, which means it was last year, 2019,
0: <laughs> that is shameful.
1: Movies All this time,
0: COVID, you've been working at home. You can't pick
3: up a you book. you didn't bother to come to book club. Jeez. Well, that's
1: because you choose not to uh, review my, that book, Movies and Other Things, a collection of essays by Shay Serrano. Fantastic book. Shea's a great author. He's also a great Twitter follower. Um, so anyway, those are the Joseph three in one minute. Jordan rules, Dream Team, movies, and other things. All right. Carson, Brindy, thank you so much for joining us. If they want to follow you on social media, where can they find you?
2: They can find us on all platforms at That's Lit Podcast. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the things. Um, and obviously check us out on any platform that you get your podcasts.
3: And if anyone has book recommendations that they would like to submit, they can send those to That's lit Podcast at gmail.com. That's right. Awesome.
1: So you can always follow us at joseph p Vias. you can follow dane at sc crim lawyer and you can follow the you can take this book when you cry it for my cold dead hands amber Fulber. And straight at red judicata and of course you can always follow the podcast at sc law pod on facebook and twitter um guys this was fun thank you so much for doing this what? it's wonderful to hear a bunch of books that I'm never going to read but I'm glad <laughs> that they bring you joy and that's really what matters.
0: A lot of them have movies
3: Joseph you don't have them.
1: <laughs> no, I will be watching the movies and audiobooks, like while true. you're
3: working someone can read to you. Yeah. I mean usually somebody with a very soothing pleasant entertaining voice.
1: Mhm. All right, we'll 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 discuss. Rosario
3: Dawson narrates audiobooks.
1: All right, so now I'm
3: interested. I'm interested. What Um,
0: does James Earl Jones do that isn't the Bible?
3: Because I don't know if he does anything that's (laughs) on the Bible. I don't know anybody else who could afford him to narrate
1: stuff uh, other than George Lucas. (laughs) Jesus? CNN. (laughs) CNN. Okay, all right, fair enough. (laughs) I mean, um, so that was a mess of an ending. But hey, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. On the uh, direct examination podcast. Thanks, you